Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. If you would, please bow your heads and let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person and that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use, that they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now. We pray they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Please lift up your Bibles and say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Present to you the first image on the screen, one that you should be very familiar with. In case, for whatever reason, you are unfamiliar with where we are, we are on the subject of forgiveness. If we were to go down and dig into the origin of that word forgive, we would learn that to forgive means to give up desire or power to punish. Over our past few sessions or times together, what we've done is we've had conversations that have been very youth specific. Particularly what we've been talking about is you forgiving yourself. You forgiving you. This session continues to deal with you directly. It, it does, though, get us one step closer to embarking on our subsequent topic, and that is you forgiving others. But for now, let's just stick to focusing on you. In John chapter 8, we've read this before, but in John chapter 8, Jesus stands before a woman who has presumably been caught in the act of committing adultery. Her accusers, they deem that she's done something worthy of punishment. Yet Jesus responds in a totally different manner. If you were, if you were to look at, my wife's looking at me to make sure this isn't making a that better if you guys hear my microphone making a noise just let me know come up here we just shut it down for a minute and keep going but I'm good now all right thank you in John 8 in the passion translation starting in verse 3 we've read this before but let's just do a couple of snippets of it we jump in on verse 3 and it says then in the middle of his teaching the religious scholars and Pharisees, the 
the religious scholar and scholars and Pharisees broke through the crowd and brought a woman who had been caught in the act of committing adultery and made her stand in the middle of everyone to make a spectacle out of her and Jesus, by the way. Then they said to Jesus, teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Doesn't Moses' law command us to stone to death a woman like this? Tell us, what do you say we should do with her? Now, if we were to read the parts after that, if we were to read the parts after that, excuse me. I'll be down to boxes and a t-shirt in a minute. If we were to, if we were to, <laughs> if we were to read the part after that, what we would see is they kept pushing Jesus on his answer as to whether or not this woman should be punished. And what Jesus basically said, initially nothing, but then he kind of said, listen, I tell you what, let the first one of you rascals who'd never made a mistake who've never committed an error, who've never committed a sin, let you rascal, you pick up the first stone and you throw it at her. And the Bible says one after the other, they left without throwing a single stone until it got to the point until they were all gone. And in verse 10, it says, until finally Jesus was left alone with the woman still standing there in front of him. So he, he stood up, he stood back up and said to her, dear woman, where are your accusers? There is no one here to condemn you. Or is there no one here to condemn you? Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. Jesus said, then I certainly don't condemn you either. Go and from now on be free from a life of sin. Jesus did not condemn this woman for her error. He didn't do that. Instead, what he did was he conveyed words that pretty much put her on the course of freedom and a new future caveat of her choosing. When you elect to forgive yourself, it's, it's the same result. You, you, you end up doing the same type of thing to yourself. What you do is you set your course for a future where you have freedom in your future and you have something to be more proud of. Look, I want you to hear me on this one. We have all looking back, look back, peek back at our past and seen stuff that's happened, events and actions we've taken, decisions we've made, and we doggone it wish we had done something different. We've all gone through that thought process. And that thought process often begins with that one word, why? Why in the world did I have to say what I said? Why in the world didn't I say what I need to say on time? Why in the world did I do what I did? Why didn't I do what I knew I was supposed to do? Why, 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 why did I put myself in that position? You are flooded with why. Hey, why did I have that abortion? Why did I put that child up for adoption? 
Why did I commit adultery? The wise just flood your mind. Why did I drop out of school? Why didn't I stay? Why didn't I stick it out? Why did I think it was too hard? Why didn't I think I was going to be able to get the money? Why did I take that money? Why, why did I disrespect my mom like that? Why was I not there with my daddy for my daddy when my daddy needed me? Why? Why? Why did I lie to my friend? Why? The wise, they just flood your mind. Family, every one of us have looked back at ourselves through the lens of history and we've frowned at the person we saw. We've all been through that thought process. Hey, let me give you a Smith story. And this is one that I'm going to tell you I'm not proud about. You see that image on the screen? Remember that game show where they would give you symbols and you'd have to figure out what it said, what it's saying based on symbols? This is similar. Let me decode this, this story for you. Because I'm telling you, we've all done things in our life where when we look back at ourselves through the lens of history, we do not like the person that we saw. Amen. You know, when my oldest son, Benjamin, was born, when he was a baby, I mean, that was our first child. I was, I was new at this whole parenting thing. I was a new daddy. I ain't know much of nothing. Now keep in mind, I did have sense enough to read books and get some knowledge, you know, on the internet and whatever, whatever internet was available at the time, you know what I'm saying, back then on the computer stuff, you know, computer books or whatever that was. I also had knowledge from, you know, my pediatrician. Knowledge about how to raise kids and stuff like that. Now I'm gonna tell you, my parents, they were excited. They absolutely adored the idea of caring for, you know, their grandbaby. And it was, it was not a small thing because, see, I was the youngest of three. I had a nephew and a niece, but they were both military children. So my parents would see them, you know, every so many years or when they weren't in Germany or Japan or wherever the heck they flew off to. And here I am with this child, and they absolutely, with me being roughly an hour away, they adored the idea. They adored the idea of having this child around. Now, keep in mind also that, you know, even though I didn't have any knowledge of taking care of children, my, my parents, they did. They weren't rookies at this thing. I had, of course, witnessed them raise me and my siblings. And they were also from pretty big families. As a matter of fact, my mom in particular was one of the oldest children in a family of 15. And as that Back in the day, she was kind of like mama number two. A lot of them looked to her as mom still, still today. And thank God that most of them are still alive. And that's a blessing. So it's not that they were rookies. My mom was well in tuned about how to be a caretaker way, way, way before she even became a mama herself. So I'm, 
the bottom line and the point is all this is they knew how to take care of children. Well, one day I was visiting, you know, and while I was visiting, my, my, my parents, you know, they wanted to give my son something to eat. And it was nothing bad, nothing bad at all. Nothing, nothing bad. It just was something that through my Rolodex of information and what I thought and what I had heard and what I had learned and what my mama called that newfangled part of child rearing, all that stuff, it was not something that a child at that age should have been given yet. Follow me. You already know where I'm going, some of you. You already figured out that second one already. So here I am, and I, you know, didn't want that to happen. And so they, they either, I'm trying to make sure I get it right. Well, they either gave it to him or motioned like they were going to give it to him. And I went off. In effect, what I told them was, first of all, that's my child. Second of all, what I say go, not you. Third of all, if you hope to take care of him again, I expect you to not go against what I want. Now, let me tell you, family, that hurt them to the core. I could see it in their eyes the moment I said it. Crushed them. The moment those words came out of my mouth, the way they grandparented my child changed. All the joy that had been surrounded around that child got extracted out of the vacuum, because, got extracted because of my ignorance. From that time forward, they were real timid with their expression of love. Not that they didn't love him, but they were very ginger around their actions concerning him. Let me tell you, that is not what I wanted to have happen. That is not the outcome I wanted. When I saw the hurt on their face, for years I put myself in an emotional prison. To love my parents like I do and to hurt them as deep as I did broke something in me. Of course, I made great strides to get that relationship back to ground zero. Don't get me wrong. I rolled up my sleeves and I put in work. But it was never quite the same. No. 
because they could not unhear what I said. They could not unsee the expression on my face. They could not unfeel the aggression I had towards them. They could not unimagine my thought that they would somehow do something to harm the very grandchild that they love. <clears throat> I put myself in an emotional prison because of that for a long time. I hurt them and knowing that I hurt them completely hurt me. I had to though, at some point in time, forgive myself. Although that was not what I intended to have happen, guess what? I was who I was at that time. I was young and stupid. I didn't know that I could still convey the same information, but just in a manner that kept relationship. I didn't know at the time. I had to learn the hard way. But for the benefit of my future and for the ability to not just rebuild my relationship with my parents concerning their grandchildren, but knowing that the future was going to be hopefully more grandchildren. I decided that I need to move past it because it was a requirement. I couldn't hang out there. I let them know, mom, dad, when my children are in your care, I know there are no better hands they could be in. And we got to a much, much better place. But what I'm trying to convey to you is that we have all looked back through the lens of history and looked at ourselves and did not like the person that we saw. It's happened to me. It's happened to you. So reflecting back is not out of the ordinary. In fact, I will tell you some measure of reflecting back is expected. Listen, you have a mind. You have memories. You got a brain. When stuff happened to you, it don't just disappear. It's stored somewhere. And when you take a moment and you reflect back on things, that's to be expected. As a matter of fact, guess what? And you will find this to be true. Evaluating past events, past actions, past decisions, whether they are good or bad, that is one of the ways that we learn and we grow and we get better. That, reflect, that reflecting back, that looking back, guess what, family? That can be beneficial. But when that reflection paralyzes you emotionally and mentally, and it traps you in the past, that state of existence is not healthy for your life. That state of existence is a hindrance for in your life. See that? 
image there of a self. When you keep reflecting back and punishing yourself and putting yourself in that emotional cell, what you've done is you've taken and you've placed yourself in a self-constructed prison built from the bricks and mortar of memories you wish you could change. It is an invisible yet very real place of solitary confinement. And you know what? You punish yourself there continually. Saints, we can't go on living like that. You shouldn't go on living that way. I'm going to be more aggressive. You can't move forward living that way. You have to be willing to forgive yourself. You have to start treating yourself better than that. And that better treatment begins with you having the right perception of who you are. Understanding who you are, that is a very important step. Why? I want you to say this with me because here's why. Say, the way you see yourself directly affects the way you treat yourself. Family, when you look at yourself in the mirror or you reflect on yourself through the mirror of your mind, the way you see yourself, not the way you want to be. Hey, look at this. Not even the way you really are. But the way you see yourself. That directly affects how you treat yourself. Yeah. My aim is to get you to improve the impression you have of the person who stares back at you in the mirror. And I do that in a very interesting way. I do that by turning you away from one mirror and directing you towards another. In other words, what I'm doing is I'm asking you to turn away from that distorted mirror of your past and turn towards the liberating mirror of the word of God. I invite you to see yourself how God sees you. You know, the book of James talks about a mirror. I want you to go there with me in James chapter one. James talks about a mirror and that mirror that he talks about, he references, at least in the King James Version, as the perfect law of liberty. Now, that also is God's word. It's also is God's law. It's also, you know, the word of truth. But we can just call it the word. I'm in the voice translation. Here's what James says. James 1, starting in verse 22. 
It reads this way. Put the word into action. If you think hearing is what matters most, you're going to find you have been deceived. If you if some fail to do what God requires, it's as if they forgot or forget the word as soon as they hear it. One minute they look in the mirror and the next they forget who they are and what they look like. You see that thing? It says one minute they look in the mirror and the next they forget who they are and what they look like. Let me tell you something. Many of us, if not most of us, are not new at this Christian thing. You ain't no Christian rookie. You're not, you're not, you're not new to this. What do I mean by that? I mean, for a large percentage of us, we have gone years and 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 years of going to church at least on a weekly basis. It's true. What else have we done? In recent times, guess what? We've really amped up our streaming of gospel information. Gospel services, gospel conferences. And I hope, of course, that we are always good disciples, that we were always studying at home, getting it in on our own time. The point is that a very large portion of us, we are used to hearing what God has to say about us and all the good things that God says about us and all the good positive views God, God has of us. We're all, all really well versed in hearing and reading that stuff. But guess what? Apparently it has not really truly sunken in. Why do I say that? It hasn't sunken in because at least let me put it this way. It hasn't sunken in past the, you know, that past disappointment or error that crosses your mind that causes you to think negatively of yourself. So whether or not it's sunk in or not, I'll, I'll stop short of saying that it hasn't, but I will say it hasn't sunk in deeper than those things that cause you to look back at yourself and punish yourself. Why is that? All of this church, all of this word, all of this prayer, all this laying on of hands, you oiled up greasy, but, but for some reason... It's just show. It's just fleshly. It's just the outside. You're looking at the mirror of the word and the moment something comes across your life where it's a little disappointing, you make a mistake, you make an error, you forget about how God sees you and you reflect back on that person that you don't like. When we look at God's in God's word and we discover how he sees us. That should be the end of it. What happens, though, is the moment we make a mistake. The moment we make an error. That takes precedent over the way God sees us. At least in our eyes. Listen to what James goes on to say this in verse 25. However, 
It is possible to open your eyes and take in the beautiful, perfect truth found in God's law of liberty and live by it. Even though right now we fail to continue to view ourselves as the image that God has of us, James says that it is possible. It is possible to look in the beautiful, perfecting truth of God's word and identify how God sees you. Let me continue with verse 25 fully. James says, however, it is possible to open your eyes and take in the beautiful, perfect truth found in God's law of liberty and live by it. If you pursue that path and actually do what God has commanded, then you will avoid many distractions that lead to an amnesia of all things of all true things. And you will be blessed. Why do we get amnesia? You see you how God sees you for a split second. And then situations and circumstances, your actions, your mistakes, your error gives you instant amnesia. But if you stick with who God says you are. When you really have an understanding of who God says you are and you stick with it. You can avoid that amnesia. You can avoid not telling yourself the truth about who you are. Family. Finding your image in God is a whole nother level of taking a good hard look at yourself. And I know I said a whole nother level. I don't think nother is a word. I think you're supposed to say a whole other, but nother, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> a whole nother. Yeah, a whole nother. Looking in the mirror of the word of God, that's a whole other level of looking at yourself. The Holy Spirit. I mean, the spirit guides you through a a deep, unmatched degree of review of yourself. To an unmatched degree of self-review, self-evaluation. Self-reflection, self-inventory. When you look in the mirror of the word, the Holy Spirit guides you through a self-review that goes far beyond you just looking at that surface image of you in that physical mirror. It's far beyond your hair, girl, far behind you, beyond your eyebrows and your lashes, far beyond your lips and your teeth. Far beyond your pretty face, fellas, far beyond your hair and, and your handsomeness and your groomed beard, far beyond your physique. The level that the Holy Spirit takes you is far beyond that physical stuff that you see on the surface. It takes you down deep into your soul. When you look at yourself in the mirror of the word, it takes you, guess what? 
to a point to where you peer beyond the way other people see you. You peer beyond what other people have to say about you. You peer, about, peer beyond what other people think about you or think what, about what you can be or think about who you are or think about what you can do or think about your past or think about your ability to do anything. The spirit takes you far beyond that, even far beyond what you think about yourself. When you look at yourself in the mirror of God's word, it gives you a reflection. It gives you an image of who you are as a believer. When you look into the mirror of God's word, it is putting you through a search of whether or not every aspect of who you are is a reflection of who God is. Furthermore, in that word, it tells you that as someone who is in Christ, God looks at you a certain way. And the way he looks at you, family, is you are forgiven. I want you to say this with me. Say, I am forgiven. That's how God sees you. Now, does God still see your mistakes? Yeah. Does he still see your little flippant mouth and hear it? Yeah. Does he still see the, all the things that you do that he wished you would do something different? Yes. Yet and still, when he looks at you and you are standing in Christ, he sees you as forgiven. Listen to James chapter 1, verse 22 through 24 in the Passion Translation. It says this, don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his truth become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. I love that. It says that let God's word be like poetry. There is another part of the Bible where I think in this same translation that gives the impression that God's words about you are like poetry, not in James, but in the Bible. I like that image because growing up, remember when you were little, you always wrote poetry when it was somebody that you like. You don't think you don't think you a poet. But you broke that thing down. I like you. Do you like me? Check yes or no. <laughs> what were you doing? You were putting your feelings into words in a manner that the person who read it understood what you felt. And you were trying to write it in a manner that when they read it, they accepted what you read, what you read. And guess what? When I think about what God has done for me in his word, all I hear when I read it is, Oh, I love you. Let me count the ways. How much do I love you? Let me count the ways. What he did for us, what he says about us as a believer, you got to understand that when you read his word, it's not just words on a page. It's a love letter written to you. It's like poetry. And that thing can be fulfilled in your life.
But having something fulfilled in your life means that you are pursuing life. And you cannot pursue life being locked in a prison. So you have to commit to let yourself out of that emotional prison that you set for yourself because of something that you've done in the past or something that you didn't do or something that you said or something that you wish you had said. Listen, that prison, when we look at the definition again of forgive, it is to give up the desire or the power to punish. Therefore, forgiveness is being set free and you set yourself free from that desire to punish. But if you go to sit there and keep yourself in unforgiveness, you are going to be bound and shackled to a desire to punish yourself. Why would you want to continue to punish yourself when God has already called you forgiven? But listen, family. It reads verse 24 again. Starting verse 20. Let me get back to 22. Don't listen to the, when you don't listen to the word of truth. Wait, let me see. Hold on. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled in your life. What does that mean, family? It means let his word hit your heart like a love letter of somebody that you completely adore and that you will not let their words out of your heart no matter what happens in life. Let his words be like poetry written and tattooed in your spirit. I know God loves me. I know I'm forgiven. I don't care. Listen, I say this. I don't care what I did or what I said. Am I saying that that's okay that you did what you did? No. Am I saying that it's okay that you said what you said? No. What I'm saying is nothing that you can do or nothing that you can say or nothing that you could probably come across in your life says that God will not forgive you. Because the word that he's given to you, like poetry, that love letter should produce an image in you that never changes regardless of what you do. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled in your life. Next one, please. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like a person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. Next one. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. Don't ever forget your divine origin. Never forget when you are in Christ, you have a divine nature. Never forget that when you are in Christ, there is an image that God has of you. And that image has the label on it that says forgiven. Do not allow occurrences of life to cause you to forget the way God views you as a believer when he looks at you through the lens of Christ. James goes on in verse 25 in the Passion and says this, 
But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth. They hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. Now, to find the right image of who you are, family, you got to look into the word of God. And the key word there is not really word of God is you got to look. You have to pursue it. Why do I say that? It's for the reason I said before. We've been coming to church and hearing it for years, but apparently there is something that we got to roll up our sleeves and do for ourselves because it hasn't sunk in. You know, when I was uh, my oldest son, <laughs> I got an oldest son thought process going here today. When my oldest son was, was you know, coming up, he got to the age where he was going to drive a car. I was like, okay, so you want to drive a car? That's good, but, you know, daddy will match you. What do you mean, dad? I said, well, let's put something on your wall, and for every $1,000 you save, then you just go ahead and notch daddy. We'll add $1,000 to it. So, look, I'm not even going to limit your car. If you want a $5,000 car and you save $2,500, daddy will throw in $2,500. If you want a $20,000 car and you save $10, daddy will throw in $10. What I'm saying to you is daddy requires you to have some skin in the game. So what am I saying to you? When you come to church and you just take the word the pastor give you, or you just listen to the song on your phone and you never crack open your Bible yourself, you are living your life in a manner where you ain't really got no skin in the game. You're not putting forth any sweat equity into building up who you are. And when you don't care enough about yourself to put in the sweat equity to build up who you are, I ain't gonna help you buy no car. If you, son, don't want a car bad enough to go to work, if you don't want a car bad enough to, to work some overtime, if you don't want a car bad enough to eat less and stop eating at McDonald's and get some tuna fish and some peanut butter and jelly and some bologna and cheese and a grilled cheese and eat some cereal, if you don't want a car that bad, then I sure don't want to waste my money on you. You walk around talking about you... I, I, I want, I want God, I want the best, I want the best in life. <laughs> and won't lift up your hands to find yourself in his word one bit. Won't lift your hands to crack open your Bible to find out how to raise your family one bit. Won't crack open your Bible to figure out what God has to say about you one bit. You want to change the impression that you have in yourself? Look in the mirror of the word of God. Find out how God sees you and look like that. Amen. Endeavor to look like that. And at a minimum. Just reflecting back on what we're talking about, to be specific. Discover and learn and hold on to the fact that you are forgiven. In Christ, you are forgiven.
You need to commit to looking into the word and discovering what God has to say about the believer. You need to commit to look into the word and find all the beautiful things about how God, what God says about you. You need to commit to look into the word and find out how God sees you. And once you find out and you discover, you learn whatever the right word is, how God sees you, doggone it, you grasp that image and you refuse to let it go. Let me show you something. One final image. Family, when you find yourself in God's word and you found yourself solidly, then you can stand in front of any mirror. What do I mean by any mirror? Any physical mirror, yes. But when you're standing in front of somebody and they eyeing you down, guess what? You're looking in a mirror. That used to get me. You ever had somebody, you walk up to them and they scan you down? Like, scan you down. And like, I'm not the tallest of guys. And so it's like, boop, like, you little self. I mean, it's like, just like this, they size you up. Look at your shoes you got on. Look at the type of shirt you're wearing. Hey, look. Look and see if your, in the, in the guy term, is, is your edge quite right? But when you know you are forgiven, when you know you are the one who God has forgiven, you can stand in the face of that mirror, the mirror of public opinion, the mirror of what you think about me. I can still stand in that mirror and say, guess what? I can proclaim to your face that I am the one that God has forgiven. I don't care what you say. I am the one that God has forgiven. And knowing that I am the one God has forgiven, I can proclaim. What can I proclaim? I am the one God has forgiven. That means I am the one he has saved. I am the one he has washed. I am the one he has cleansed. I am the one he has purified. I am the one he has set free. I am the one he has made free. I am the one he has transformed. I am the one he has called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I am the one that God has forgiven. When I know that I am the one God has forgiven and I find that thing in his word and I refuse to let it go, I can stand in front of any mirror and proclaim that I am forgiven. And as the one who has forgiven, who is forgiven of God, that means I am what? That means I am loved. That means I am blessed. That means I am favored. That means I am chosen. That means I am redeemed. That means I am adopted. When I find myself in God's word and I refuse to let that image go, I can stand in front of any mirror because no matter what that mirror tries to reflect back on me, I know who and whose I am. 
When I know for certain that I am the one that God has forgiven. And I'm looking and I'm finding that in the word of God. I'm looking in his mirror. I realize that God calls me his own. That God calls me a son or God calls me a daughter, whatever the case might be. God calls me his child. I know that God calls me a masterpiece, not just any old thing. When you put the word masterpiece on something, that's one of a kind, baby. That's something of value, honey. That's nothing that you just throw in the trash. A masterpiece is something that you put up on display for all to see. A masterpiece is something you take care of. A masterpiece is something you don't punish. You don't burn a masterpiece. You put that masterpiece somewhere so for generations and generations it will remain as beautiful as it was the first day you got it. God calls me a masterpiece. Why? I am the one God has forgiven. When he looks at me, he sees Christ. Does he still see my mess ups? Yes, but doggone it, he still sees me while I'm in Christ as forgiven. He calls me friend. Family. This is the image that you should have of yourself when you think about yourself. When you look at yourself in the mirror, when you reflect on yourself, this is the image that you should have. Say this with me. Say, I am the one God has forgiven. That means, that means, come on, give it to me from your gut. Say it like you want the people across the street to hear. I am the one God has saved. Saved, washed, washed cleansed, cleansed, purified, purified set, free, set free, made free, made free transformed, transformed, called out of darkness. Out of darkness. I, am loved, I am loved, favored, favored blessed, blessed, chosen, chosen adopted, adopted, redeemed. redeemed. I, am I am his own. He calls me, he calls me his, child. his child. I am a masterpiece. I am, a masterpiece. I am his friend. I am Give God some praise for that. When you know that you are forgiven, family, that's the image that you should have of yourself. Save, wash, clean, cleanse, purified, redeemed, a friend adopted. All of that is wrapped up in you being forgiven. That family is the reflection you should see. And as children of God, as believers, it's time that we see ourselves correctly. It's time that we have the right image of ourselves. You must see yourself how God sees you. Otherwise, what you're going to be is a person walking around looking for somebody to validate your forgiveness. You don't have to walk around and get nobody to validate your forgiveness. God has already forgiven you. You are the forgiven. His word says so. You don't, you don't need 
to walk around looking for a reason that you should be forgiven. There is no need to search any further for forgiveness because forgiven is who you are. Forgiven is who you are. Catch that. Forgiven is not something that's been done to you. It's your state. It's who you are. And hopefully, family, knowing that you are forgiven already of God, you're forgiven. Hopefully that compels you to forgive yourself. Now, as I mentioned earlier, you know, my desire here is that we said something that causes you to treat yourself better by seeing the positive way God sees you. And let that be your focus and let that be your guide, your compass. And you know what? I need to treat myself better. My belief is that a new perception diminishes the desire to punish yourself. That's the hope. That's the prayer. That going through all of these things that God says about you in his word, that that registers in your mind and causes you to just, I want to diminish your desire to punish yourself because of something that happened in the past. Forgive yourself because you are forgiven. What would be a big win here for me? What would be, what would be the, 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 the cherry on top for me? That people hear this and they make the decision, I'm going to forgive myself. As hard as it may be, they make that decision to forgive themselves. And guess what? Start fresh on that freedom and their new future. Understanding that you can't move forward while you're still shackled in the past. That would be that, that would be a big win for me. I will also let you know that, you know, having that done is not solely just for you. There is a depth to this discussion that we're having. There is a reason beyond you why forgiving yourself is beneficial. And it has to do with how it affects your relation with others. I want you to say something with me because here is something as far as my life, what I've learned and what I've observed is what I believe. It's, it's something that I've picked up on. Say this with me, because this is, I want you to know, because this is, this is why it's important that you forgive yourself. Say, if you struggle, if you struggle to forgive yourself, to forgive yourself you, will you will struggle to forgive others.
And that statement right there gets us to the brink of our topic of forgiving others. But that family is a discussion for next time. For now, for now, what do I want of you? What do I ask of you? Number one, get in the word of God for yourself. Notice everything that we put in there, you're chosen, you're washed, you're adopted. I didn't give you a scripture for each one of those. I guarantee you most of us have already heard that scripture over the, the, the decades that we've been in church. And if it hadn't done a lick of good to change that, you need to put in some sweat equity and go find it for yourself. Don't, don't take that lightly. I don't know how deeply, more deeply I can say it. If you don't pursue a better image of you for you, nobody else will. So I want you to get in the word of God, find out who God says you are. And then I want you to love yourself enough to forgive yourself. Love yourself enough to unshackle yourself from whatever it was that makes you frown on yourself when you look back and move forward. And if by chance you need some kind of motivation to present to you an image that gets you going in that direction, that makes you proud of going in that direction, look back on the way God sees you. And then forgive yourself and move forward. Oh, I love you so much. Once more, and just with, of course, not as much gusto this time, I'm going to just leave you just one more time. Look at all the different things, and there's more, of how the mirror of the word reflects a better image of you. And let that be a model of how you treat yourself. Let's pray. God, I thank you for everyone who has come here and who is listening to this message in hopes that they receive something that can make their life better. It is our sincere hope and sincere prayer that they get what it is that they're hoping for, that you meet them there, meet them there in their place of healing. Meet them there in their place of discovery. We are not trying to paint the picture, God, that we have it all together. But what we do want to do is stop breaking ourselves down, ourselves. There is enough obstacle, there are enough obstacles in this life. We don't need to be one of them, not for ourselves. Give us the wisdom to get out of our own way. Yeah. God, teach us to just let it go. 
Will we think about it? Yeah, we have minds. Things don't just get erased. But letting it go is not about not thinking about it. Letting it go is about not dwelling on it to the point to where it paralyzes you and cripples your future and hinders your present. That is our prayer. Yeah, that we forgive ourselves. And Holy Spirit, help us where we need help with that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.